This the remix. Let me channel my inner Brian Windhorst for a sec. Why would KD want out? Why would Kyrie go searching and seeing if a team would want to do a sign and trade and then all of a sudden he opt in into his contract. Then Kevin Durant comes out and says, I want to be traded. I came up with the conclusion that I don't believe Kevin Durant. I don't believe it at all. Matter of fact, it makes zero sense to me that he wants to be traded at this point. I don't believe he believes it. I think Kevin Durant is doing this as a scare tactic in order to help Kyrie Irving have leverage to get him signed long-term with the Brooklyn Nets. Quinn was there for eight years, was a big part of what we were doing. The window for winning is not always big. For us in Utah, that's kind of what happened. I think the organization felt like that. We had maybe passed that, that window that we had over the last few years, and, and I think they're still obviously going to be a very competitive team, but they just felt like with all the assets that they could get with me, that it was better for them to, to go that way. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. You on mute? Yeah, I was on mute. Almost got through another day without doing it, but I did it. Uh, just a heads up for you. Uh, I asked Aaron Millard if he's still on vacation on draft day, and he said that he's doing his work from the cottage. And I said, <laughs> with bad cell service? And he said, they don't need to hear me. Oh, boy. Millsy's really coming up with some uh, some doozies here for why he didn't answer the phone. Unbelievable. He just doesn't want to be on with us. Apparently. Apparently. Uh, we're uh, we're both off next week, so you know maybe those, he'll join. You know those three little dots that you know someone's texting? Oh, is Darren Millard sending you something? He's sending me something right now. Oh, I'm excited. I'm oh, excited. my goodness. Unbelievable. You think he's listening? No way he's listening. How can he listen? He doesn't have cell reception. He doesn't have he doesn't have wireless. He doesn't have wireless. How would he be listening on uh on our on our, on our website? Can't he can't get in the wireless. Right? Oh, oh Darren Millard. I hope he's listening. Uh, Give him a hard time. All right. Uh you want to talk about a hypothetical NBA team that could move to Las Vegas? By the way, Milsey, are you on the air today? Oh, what? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we are. You ready? Voice. Unlike you, Darren. Unlike you, Darren. Yes. Are we sending Oh, you send a voice message? Yes, yeah. that's good. I enjoy the voice messages there. I know, exactly. Oh, man. So, the Seahawks and Blazers, an NFL and an NBA team, uh, their former owner, Paul Allen, died a couple of years ago. The teams are, uh, I believe, in the trust. Uh, so they haven't, they don't actually have a new owner yet. But his sister, Jody Allen, is running the teams uh she came out earlier this week and said neither team the seahawks nor the blazers are for sale there's been a lot of speculation that they're for sale because paul allen is no longer with us uh and an ownership change would make sense uh for both of those teams since they don't currently have one uh on the las vegas side of this if the Blazers eventually sell, which I think even Jody Allen sort of alluded to, eventually these teams will be yeah, sold. Yeah, she, just she not said now. Ten, down 20, 10, 20 years, the, the estates of this size are complex and it takes 10 to 20 years to wind down. I guess I guess Allen wanted all of his money to go to philanthropy, so eventually I think they're going to be moved, but she says there's no talks right now, which means nobody's offered her what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So let's assume... Let's make this assumption. Four or five years from now, the Portland Trail Blazers sell to a new owner. 
Do you believe the Portland Trailblazers could be the team that moves to Las Vegas to put an NBA team in Vegas? I believe any team that's available could make could mean the move to Las Vegas. I don't think it's just Portland. I think any team that wants to relocate or is available or get sold, uh, Las Vegas is, you know, along with uh, Seattle, uh, these, these cities to keep people talked to, although I think Las Vegas is ahead of Seattle now. I just I think Las Vegas is number one in everyone's mind. So, sure. I mean, I, I think in five years if it's available – uh, Las Vegas uh, would be, um, you know, the the new arena would be built, uh, and Las Vegas would be a prime candidate. I, but I, I I do I say that for every team because I just think you know there's a lot of people who want to move to Las Vegas. Could you see um, LeBron buy, buying the Blazers with all his uh, his um, partners there and moving them here? I think it's possible. So if you look at the Portland Trail Blazers, right? Portland uh, is not one of the biggest media markets, right? It's not like you're not moving a team out of LA, the Bay Area, New York. Like you're not moving it out of a massive media market. You could understand, hey, Portland to Las Vegas. That's not a crazy downgrade. And then there's the element of arena. And this is one of the biggest factors in any time a team moves or any time a team threatens to move. It's because... They want a new arena, and they want somebody else to pay for it. Where the Blazers play right now, Moda Center, was opened in 1995. There have been renovations since then. The Blazers president uh, had talked, I think it was last year, about doing more renovations to Moda Center. But as far as I know, they have not actually done any new renovations on Moda Center. If there's no new renovations... And we get into 2027, 2026, something like that. And this team is for sale. Somebody else buys them. I think it's pretty easy to foresee a new owner saying, well, I want a new arena for my NBA team. And if Portland is willing to do it, then they probably stay in Portland. That's generally what happens. If the current city is willing to help pay for a new stadium or arena, that team normally stays where they are. But... If the new owner's like, hey, I want a new arena. I want this much money, public money to help build it. Oh, Portland says, no, we're not doing that. We're not giving you money to build an arena. You do it on your own. That's when the Portland Trailblazers could be a team that says, okay, we're going to Vegas, right? Yeah. Or they at least use us as leverage like the Oakland A's Like Days the are. Oakland think, A's have from the beginning. Right. But I think that is the path, right? A few years from now. There's an ownership group that actually buys the Trailblazers. They want a new arena, and that's sort of the the uh, conflict that leads them out of Portland and could lead them to, Vegas. to Las Vegas. Wouldn't it be something if, because, this, if this was the LeBron team? Because five, yeah, five years down the road, I don't think he's playing five more years. Yeah, I don't think he I is. I mean, either. how old is so, Bronny? That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I think that's sort of your path. And I think that's going to be a similar path for any NBA team that goes up for sale, right? Depending on their current arena situation. Obviously, if a team got a brand new arena in the last couple of years, that doesn't really apply. But any NBA team that comes up for sale that has a fairly old arena, that's that's sort of the playbook, right? If you're the new owner, you want a new arena and you want the some city or county or state to help pay for it. And if you can get them to do it, great. If not, threaten to move to Las Vegas. And maybe one of them actually does move to Las Vegas. Because we've had, listen, Adam Silver's talked about expansion being on the back burner. Steve Sisolak on this show uh, earlier this year said that he thinks relocation is more likely than expansion for an NBA team. Maybe the Blazers end up being 
that team and we end up with the las vegas trailblazers yeah. would they change the name uh new marketing new new gear danny you like the las vegas trailblazers i think they change it i mean it sounds interesting but going to a new city you should probably change and rebrand just a full oh, rebrand make a lot of money rebranding tell that to the lakers or the jazz uh i i don't mind like las vegas blazers i don't i don't think that's terrible but like they probably don't have quite enough history that you would say, oh, yeah, we have to stay the Blazers. True. Right? Like, they, they've been around for a good while now, but they weren't, like, one of the original NBA teams. I think they would get – if you had new ownership, new city, I think, it's I think new. you'd end up changing. I think it's a new yeah. name, and I think it's new everything. And, and it'd probably end up being – We can make fun of the logo. Yeah, it'd probably end up being worse than Blazers, to be honest with you. It's probably be a terrible name or something terrible coming here. Well, you know Nothing. who's going to buy it. It's going to be the Silver no. Blazers. Oh, no, he's already oh, got boy. silver. I was going to say, the bronze another, Blazers? is it BB? another Knights, game, uh, Knights name? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be Bill Foley, the Hardwood Knights. The Hardwood oh. Knights? That's what it's going to be if Bill Foley buys it. <laughs> Please. Like, yep. Please. The Hardwood Knights, that's what we're calling them. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. I can't, oh, who was it? Um, C, uh, CJ, was it CJ on Twitter? Um the the uh, the G League team that's moving here, the G League Ignite. Uh, he posted on Twitter asking if this is going to be the Ig Knight, and it was I G dash K N I G H T. Oh, like that? Yeah, I like mean that. it's it's absolutely horrible. And if Bill Foley yeah, buys but... them and names them the Ignite with the it's, K in there, it's terrible. It's... But it would be funny because it's Foley. Well, yeah, it would be funny because it's Foley and he names yeah. everything after the Knights. But yes, if if they name them, if they rebrand to the Ig Knights because Bill Foley bought five oh, percent of the G League, be team. classic. <laughs> if he does that, I I gotta I gotta start wondering if he's just trying to troll the whole town, just naming all these teams Knights. I don't know. I think with the whole well, Army Black Knights thing, I think he's just in love with the name. Well, uh, no, in a bizarre the, fashion. Here's the worst thing of all of it. Do you guys remember? when he was like mentioned to possibly be buying an MLS team? Yes, absolutely. And he said he, he, he was, he, he admitted it. Yeah. And he trademarked a name and they were going to be the Las Vegas heroes. And which is a terrible name already, but he's, I think he, I think it was a story Mick Akers wrote in the RJ. He said that he wanted to call them the heroes so that they could honor the first responders of the October of, of the 1st shooting. shooting, which listen, Yes, honor the people that helped out on October 1st. Go for it. But you cannot name a sports team and have the entire identity of the sports team revolve around, like, the worst moment in this city's history. Exactly. That's I what he you, was going to do. I remember you saying that. That was a great what? point in that. Because every time you say it, and, well, every time someone asks about the background, that's what they would talk about, right? right. Because you're like, heroes? Why, why would they name them the heroes? Well, why? let us talk, like, talk to you about October one. It's like you're going to associate your new sports team with that? Of all things you could pick, that's what you want to be? It was so like I would have been, if Foley had bought it, I would have been campaigning, just name it something Knights, Bill. Just do what yes. you've always done and name it something yes. Knights. Because good God, that would, have been, that would have been like the worst reasoning for a name ever. If like have, build a stadium and have like a statue and a memorial and, sure. and give proceeds, whatever. Have them like, on the field before games? Yes. All the first responders like you did at the hockey game? Yeah, but absolutely. Do all that. Honor them that way. You couldn't have your team's identity revolve around the worst day in the city's history. And that's what he was going to do. So 
maybe we should be happy that he's just gone with knights for everything because <laughs> it could have been worse if he had if he had gotten his MLS team. Which hell, maybe he'll end up getting his MLS team because where the hell is the team we're supposed to yeah, get? Yeah, where's where's out on the two fifteen? Where where's our new stadium? What what was your prediction again? Quarter three? Quarter three. My prediction was August, I think, of this year, right? Was it so, August? I can't it's it something. It was like it was that. definitely quarter three. It's definitely quarter okay. three. Okay. So we're in quarter three now. Yeah. It's All right. July. Don't, don't make too much fun of me. <laughs> well, I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm going to yell at Wes Edens and Don Garber, the commissioner of MLS and the guy who's supposed to buy the team. Where the hell is the team? Don Garber said quarter one, and we're in quarter three. It's ridiculous. Bill, like I don't, We joke about Seth Klarman, the guy that was going to put a team in downtown Las Vegas. I don't think that guy's real. Are we sure Wes Edens is real? Uh. I think we're sure because I think in a Q&A the, uh, in the RJ with Rick Villada, Mark Bedane mentioned Wes Edens, and I trust Mark Bedane to think that he knows people who are real. Like, I don't think he would mention him if he was like a fake person or like he had never met him or didn't know anything about him. So I'm going to go with he's what, real, but I don't know why he hasn't announced that he's bringing the soccer team here. One of the, one of the keys here is that uh, Wes Edens' Wikipedia page does actually have pictures of him. Seth okay. Klarman, I don't know what that guy looks like. Oh, wait. Oh, Seth, here's some stories about Seth Klarman. Billionaire Seth Klarman. I can't see the point of crypto. Well, yeah, buy a soccer team and put it in <laughs> Vegas. Well, that's the point of crypto. I don't care what you do with it. So there's Seth Klarman's real. Yeah, apparently. Seth Klarman's, he uh, he's got the ties of the Red Sox. Maybe, yeah, he's, maybe he's more worried about the Red Sox than bringing a team here. Red Sox and yelling about crypto instead of bringing me a soccer team. These rich people. Just listen to what I tell you to do with your money. Come on. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Speaking as an extremely clever person, I feel a bit personally attacked by the concept of an evil genius. Anti-intellectualism is rife in the world today, encouraged no small amount by a media concerned that their advertisers' claims that their breakfast cereal induces hallucinogenic bliss in woodland creatures might not hold up to rigorous academic study. Bischoff's Briefs. Well, let's see how far your street smarts and common sense get you when you need someone to figure out how to turn a city-sized clod of oceanic waste plastic into drinkable water and hospital-grade insulin. Bischoff's Briefs. Just because I'm smarter than everyone else doesn't mean I look down on people. Someone has to make my sandwiches. Just because I can envision a vastly more efficient society with myself as absolute dictator doesn't mean I want to go to that amount of trouble. Just because I ordered the installation of an oubliette in my basement doesn't mean I have sinister intentions for it. Bischoff's Briefs. So stop asking questions and get your jackhammer out. Today's Bischoff's Briefs is looking at where UNLV sits in the world of college athletics, given that there is massive uh, realignment, potential massive realignment ongoing. For the last decade or so, college athletic departments have kind of been positioning themselves for the future. We saw quite a while ago, you know, Nebraska and Colorado left the Big 12 for a different power conference. Missouri and Texas A&M did the same thing. We've now seen Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave the Big 12 for the SEC, and we're going to see USC and UCLA leave the Pac-12 for the Big 10. We have seen teams leave current power conferences to join better power conferences because there's better money, there's better opportunity, right, when they have made those moves. And right now, anyone who hasn't, moved already or is just in the big 10 or sec this is a pretty important time 
and could be the most important time for a lot of these programs, right? Imagine being Oregon right now. You've had this massive rise to relevance over the last two decades or whatever it's been. And now you're looking at being in like a bad Pac-12 because the Big Ten won't invite you. Or maybe you're in the Big 12 where you're sort of in the second tier power conference. So like this is for, for everybody in college football that's not currently in the Big Ten or the SEC. And it extends obviously down to the group of fives, right? Every athletic department wants to ensure it has this safe, lucrative future, right? And UNLV is included in that. And UNLV is at the very least, even if they don't get in, they're in the discussion of a you know power conference invite or whatever you want to call the Pac-12 and Big 12 right now. And right now, that probably makes Eric Harper the most important athletic director the UNLV has ever had. Because if UNLV gets into a power conference, even if it's like a weird version of the Pac-12 or the Big 12, right? UNLV's probably set up legitimately for the future, right? You're not in the Big 10 or the SEC, but if you find your way into what's considered a power conference in the future, right? You're you're set, you're set at least up. a lot better yeah. than what they are now. Yes. And so Eric Harper, you say, yeah, this is probably the most important athletic director UNLV's ever had because if you get left out, there's a good chance there's a break at some point in college football and all of a sudden you're not in Division 1 college football anymore. But here's the thing. I don't know how much Eric Harper can do. Like, does it really matter if Eric Harper is a great salesman? Does it really matter if he's got great relationships with somebody at the Pac-12 or the Big 12? Because ultimately, this decision is going to be made for other reasons. If UNLV gets into a power conference, I don't know that it's going to be because of Eric Harper, right? It's probably going to be because... The Pac-12 needed more members or the Big 12 needed more members and they were attracted to Las Vegas as a market or to what Las Vegas used to be or UNLV used to be as a basketball program or the potential of what it could be as a football and basketball program in the future. I don't know that Eric Harper would actually be able to do anything. And on the flip side, if they don't get an invite, I don't know how much to blame Eric Harper is because what can no, he do? I mean, I don't, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he'd be to blame at all. Right. I think ultimately these are decisions made for him. And sure, he can try to sell UNLV. He can be proactive. But at the end of the day, every, your sales pitch isn't going to matter that much. You're either going to be attractive or not to these conferences. So it's a very important time for UNLV. But UNLV is at the mercy of, of everyone else. So that's where you're sort of looking at it right now. Now, I have a question for you. The Athletic wrote a story uh, looking at group of five teams that could get an invite to either the Pac-12 or the Big 12. And these are the teams that they they uh, wrote about. Boise State, San Diego State, SMU, and Fresno State, plus the last team on there was UNLV. And this was part of the write-up for UNLV. This would be a market play, as UNLV hasn't had any recent football or men's basketball success to lean on. But it's come up in conversations with various administrators. Las Vegas has become a major sports town, including the host city for the Pac-12 championship game. There's money connected to UNLV that would be interested in getting the Rebels into a bigger conference. So my question is, who is that money? Are they talking about boosters or casinos or people with money in town who would be willing to come forward if, in fact, they could get in the Pac-12? They have to be talking about those people, right? 
I it's got to be outside. Uh, it's got to be outside influence. It's not anyone inside. I guess, but I just I don't understand when they say there's money connected to UNLV boosters. Who, I guess where's that money though? Like I here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing with UNLV athletics. Every time something sort of like happens or something could happen, right? I feel like there's always this allure of, hey, uh, UNLV, there's some money there, right? Remember, like, oh, they can hire whatever basketball coach they want because there's money behind it. But it never actually happens. It's just, right? I like, think it's just assumed because of the casinos in the town. Whether yeah, it's true like, or not, I'm not so sure. It took Tony Sanchez his entire tenure to get the new football complex built. And here's the thing. It's, it's a nice football complex for UNLV. They did not build a state-of-the-art college football complex. That is a very, if you compare it to the rest of the college football world, that is a very average yes. football practice yes. facility. Yes. They did not go out and build the newest and best and, and biggest practice facility for football. It's a good facility for UNLV, no doubt about it. But in the grand scheme of college football, it's pretty average. And that took Tony Sanchez his entire tenure to get done. That was like one of the biggest accomplishments a UNLV football coach has had in like decades, right? Was getting that done. And it took five years for that to happen. If there was money connected to UNLV, that thing would have been built like two decades right. ago. They would have been building a brand new one that was the biggest and best if there was this money connected to UNLV. Do you remember when Mick Cronin was potentially going to be the head coach? Yes. One of the like rumors about how they were going to pay Mick Cronin $3 million was Under Armour was going to become the uh, apparel sponsor for UNLV and Under Armour was going to pay a million dollars of Mick Cronin's salary. I don't know how true that was, but for UNLV to afford a big name coach, they were going to need a third party to pay for most or, ha or right. almost half of his salary. If there's money connected to UNLV, you don't need think Under it's... Armour to pay a million dollars for Mick Cronin. Every time it's like, oh, there's money to UNLV. But every time UNLV tries to do something that requires a lot of money, they don't have it. I think it's just assumed because of the town. You hear that all the time. Oh, there's so many people here with money. There's so many people here with money. And I just think it's assumed, well, it's true or not. And so far, I think you're right. It has been proven untrue that people are going to step. Yeah, they'll step forward with some money. I know there's yeah. organizations and boosters out there who've done that. But you're talking, what we're talking about money is serious, serious money. And I'm right. not so sure that that exists. Um, real quick here, uh, source on the internet, Brandon Key, source, North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia are all negotiating to join the SEC. ESPN oh. is trying to void their TV deal with the ACC. But they're trying to void? Yeah, they're trying to, get out, they're trying to get out of it because they're going to lose those teams to the SEC. Jesus. I know. It's like, sorry. See you later. Wait. These things are happening, like, by the second now. But again, to go back to one of the points we made earlier, how the hell did USC and UCLA do this so yeah. quietly? And I, this isn't even it's done. This is just they're negotiating. Man. That's uh that that listen, if those if those four, what did you say it was? Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and, and Virginia. Not Virginia Tech, Virginia? No, Virginia. Oh, yeah. Wow, okay. So no Miami and no Okay. Our Virginia would and not no have Vitek. been on that list for me. Okay. Virginia would have been behind Virginia Tech and, and Miami. Florida State and or Miami in my yeah. mind. So if those four leave, the SEC would be at 20 in that scenario? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, Jameson Welch joins the show.
Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now is Jameson Welsh. You can follow him on Twitter at BJameson. Two E's in the good morning, Jameson. Hey, Jameson, what's going on, man? Hey, guys, how's it going? How's it going? Good. Um, All right. Here's here's an open-ended question for you. Where does Kevin Durant play basketball next season? Man, it's tricky right now because there's so many loose ends. Like, the favorite's Phoenix, but if the Nets don't want Aiton and they can't put him in a three- or four-team deal, he can't go to Phoenix. So I guess the next step would be Toronto or Miami. But if he goes to any of those teams, their depth gets shortened. So honestly, it's a, it's a wild situation. I'll still go with Phoenix. So I think the Phoenix thing finds a way to get worked out. Is there any chance he stays where he's at? Nah, really? that ship has sailed. All right. Okay. I thought, I thought you know, four years left, maybe they'd force him. And it, with four years left, would he push the envelope to not show up? Like, how, how contentious could it get if they can't find a deal that they like and someone's not going to give them a boatload of stuff for him? Like, how contentious is this? Or have they already, like you said, accepted that the ship has sailed and they're going to move him no matter what? You want to move him as quickly as possible. You don't want to just keep on holding on to someone that doesn't want to be there, especially if you're trying to get free agents in the future. Because how you deal with this um, – you know, how you deal with this is how you um, deal with future guys. So everyone's kind of watching how they handle this. If they do right by Kevin Durant, you know, hey, um, guys will consider it. If they do bad by him, guys will consider that also. So that's a very interesting situation, how that goes. Are we going to look up at the end of this offseason and think that Rudy Gobert got more than Kevin Durant in a trade? Yes. Uh, I think oh. the Rudy Gobert trade can go down as the worst trade of the decade. <laughs> it's that bad. And Rudy's a great player for what he does. But for the the tandem of him across the towns, the flaws that that roster still has, the lack of resources they have to get better, I don't see this as a team that gets out of the second round. And the issues with carrying Gobert and across towns are on the defensive side of the basketball because across towns cannot guard guys that play the power forward or the four spot or whatever you want to call it. The team's going to go small, and they don't have the split speed at all. They don't have the athleticism at all. So it's just, uh, it's pretty wild. Like, it's honestly, it's, it's um, I understand going for it. However, my thing, if you, go, if you go all in, that piece has to be the final piece of your puzzle. You can't go all in and still have ten pieces left of your puzzle to figure out. So that's why the move is very odd to me. But, but no, I do think Kevin Durant goes for a little bit less because it's just that, that move never made sense, though. It, it still doesn't make sense. Would they give up AD uh, and move on from him if they could get Kevin Durant? That's a tough situation because that is LeBron, you know, basically influenced that, and that's a clutch situation. So that's a different um, thing altogether. However... <clears throat> crazier things have happened. This is the NBA. Nothing is for certain. So <clears throat> when it comes down to it, you just never say never. I don't think it will happen, but we've seen crazier things happen before. I'll put it that way. So if LeBron and KD have a phone conversation and say, hey, let's make this work, then the powers that be find a way to make it work. That's kind of how it's always gone like in the NBA. When star players want things to happen, you know, that's kind of how, you know, it goes. But with all that being said, I would be surprised if KD was going to play with LeBron, especially LeBron in year 20. 
um, that's a very tough risk because Kevin Durant's next move has to be his best move. He can't make another lateral move. Like his next move has to put him in a spot to where he can win a championship. I honestly think Denver would be the best spot for him, to be honest with you, to pair up with Jokic. I thought I think that would be the best overall spot for him personally. We heard uh, that that before, and it was reported before he wanted Paul George that Kawhi called KD and it didn't work out. So then he went to Paul George. Could Kawhi relent to KD as the Clippers would be KD's team if Kawhi's healthy? Man, the problem with that is the guy's never healthy. Like, and you know, all those guys you mentioned in that sentence are have a lot of health issues. I mean, Kevin Durant, you know, he's a little older now, but he's had his health concerns. All George stays hurt. While Leonard just missed the full season. So, I mean, here's the thing: it, would something like that surprise me? No, but if I'm Kevin Durant, I don't know if I can trust being with someone that's injured that frequently like Kawhi Leonard is. It's just a very tough ask, especially, again, Kevin Durant's going to be 34, I believe, in September. doesn't have a whole lot more years of trying to make things work. So if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm trying to go with someone in their prime and, like, younger than 30 if possible. I'll give you another open-ended one. Where does Kyrie Irving play this season? Uh, there's two options. It's either the, the, well, it's either the Lakers or no one. I don't see anyone. If he gets waived and stretched, he signs that for the minimum as a Laker. If he gets traded to the Lakers, I don't think any other team really wants to deal with him or get involved with him based off of how he's handled things. Um, so the Nets are in a situation where they can do a lot of things. They can take back an asset or drop some salary with him, or they can just say, hey, you know what? This is not worth the drama. We're just going to go ahead and wave and stretch him and let him be a free agent. So both things can kind of work. Uh, we're interested to see how they go about it. But I'm very curious to see how the Nets handle this because, again, everyone's watching how they handle these situations. And how they come out of this is going to pretty much dictate the future of their franchise. Because remember, a few years ago, they were trying to steal all the press and headlines from the Knicks. And it worked, but they only have one playoff series win to show for it. So with all that being said, all this stuff really wasn't worth it when you look back at it. How well would Kyrie go be in L.A.? He's a much better fit than Russell Westbrook. Um, and he's a better player. So if healthy and, in, and if he buys in, which I believe he would, in a contract year, yes, he would be very good. Uh, he's, he compliments LeBron, compliments Anthony Davis well. Uh, he's a guy that spreads the court so you don't you can't play off of him. You can't you know, ignore him on the perimeter. So if healthy, he's a much better player than Russell Westbrook. So he would help the team out. And he would also um, define the roles a lot easier because all he has to do is what he's good at with, on that team. He doesn't have to do a whole lot else. He can just do what Kyrie Irving is best at. Uh, everyone else is kind of solidified in their roles there. Also in L.A., he wouldn't be the main face of the team. So he can do all the Kyrie Irving stuff and all the quotes and everything, but you still have a team with LeBron James on there. So the media is going to talk and listen to him first more than anything. And I think Kyrie misses that because in the last couple of stops, Kyrie's been either the, either the best player on the team or the guy with the biggest following. So when he says or does stuff, all the cameras are on him. If he's a Laker, that's not going to be the case. What do you expect – from John Wall as a Clipper? Is he still good? Great question. 
Um, heard different reports and different people who've seen him play. Also saw some of the Rockets games when he played. And I think people are expecting one thing, which is very dangerous because we all remember the Washington Wizards from John Wall, which is a very good player, um, a very fast player, very athletic player. Um, the issue I have is that he hasn't played in a while. His game is predicated off the speed and athleticism. He's had injuries to, you know, hurt that. I don't know how you recover from those type of injuries like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but I would rather have him on the court with Reggie Jackson because at least I know with John Wall he's going to be steady. He's not going to do anything crazy with the basketball. Reggie Jackson will win you a game. He can also lose you a game. John Wall is not going to lose you a game. John Wall is going to be steady and you know run the show and do what he's supposed to do. So I understand why the Clippers got him. And if he is anywhere close to what he was in Washington, they got a steal for the mid-level exception. So it's a, it's a good deal on both ends. The percentage that the Pelicans will regret five years for $231 million to Zion? Uh, 98%. Um, I mean, he's a big guy. Uh, we can't even call him a trick body. It's, it's what it is. Like, that's a big guy. <laughs> and the way he plays. And there is one thing if he played under the rim. That's one thing. But he plays above the rim. So every time he's landing, all that force is coming out on the knees and the ankles. It's a very difficult situation. However, you, they had to pay. They had to do it. Like they could not have not offered that or not paid him that money. Um, he was 20 years old. He was averaging like 27 points off 60% shooting. Like you can't not pay that guy. Like you have to take care of him. They did that. We'll see how it goes. However, I'm not as optimistic as others because we've kind of seen the story before. Just based off of the way he plays, his size city he's in i have some serious doubt going forward but i do hope it works out because i do think he's a great player i think the casual fan like things i am playing and like that liked him for a very long time now so hopefully he's able to play and play at a high level for a long time usc and ucla how surprised were you they moved to the big 10 so i was surprised but i get the move um it's rough for a lot of the other sports though man like I mean, we've all covered college sports. We know those Tuesday games. Um, you know, going from here to Wyoming is tough. Or here to, um, you know, going from here to, like, Colorado Springs is tough. But, man, going from L.A. to, like, Champaign, Illinois is crazy uh, on a Tuesday or Wednesday and then having to come back. Like, they did not consult with the kids at all. This is solely a financial decision. However, if you tell a school that they're going to make $70 more million guaranteed a year, they have to take it, and in this day and age, you either leave or you get left. And we're about to see a lot of reshuffling on the West Coast with how these conferences go. Like it would not surprise me if you don't use in the Pac-10 or the Pac-12 in another month or so. Like it, it would not surprise me. That's how crazy the thing is about to get. So I get why both the LA schools left because remember the LA schools are the the main reasons in each sport why the conference gets what it gets. You take away those schools and you see how the conference is viewed now it's like oh this is just another situation on the west coast so the pac-12 has not taken care of business for so long that it caused this issue larry scott tried when he tried to get those teams up to big 12 when he first got in in 2010 once that didn't work once that failed then it's been he's been scrambling ever since and it has not worked out and here we are 
Well, he is Jameson Welsh. Again, follow him on Twitter at the Jameson. As always, Jameson, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Jameson. Appreciate you. Not a problem, guys. Thank you. So there is Jameson Welch on the NBA as the offseason. See, it feels like the NBA never disappoints with its offseason. It's always fun. All right, we've got tickets to give away. Two tickets to go see the Black Keys this Saturday, July 9th, at MGM Grand Garden Arena. You can buy tickets right now at AXS.com or win a pair from us. 702-364-1100 is the phone number be caller number seven right now when you want a pair of tickets to go see the Black Keys this weekend at MGM Grand Garden Arena. That's 702-364-1100. We're going to be very unique. I don't think there's going to be another team that is going to be able to bring to the table what we're going to bring to the table. And, and my goal is really to make Carl even a better player on both ends and, and make his life easier and allow him to be even better than he already is. And, and I, think, I think his presence is going to do the same for me. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. Wrapping up the show here on a Thursday uh, during the commercial break, Danny told me that he has a hot take. Uh, Danny is the creator of the one and two WNBA parlay yesterday, so I'm excited for this hot take, Danny. Uh, it actually falls in line with the game yesterday. Uh, <laughs> the one you won? No, the uh, the Aces oh, game. the Aces, okay. Um, I still don't know how to say her last name, but Sabrina Ionescu. Mm-hmm. Um, Close enough. Is it too early to call her the greatest WNBA player of all time? She's in her third season. She's played 56 games, <laughs> is tied for the record for WNBA triple doubles in league history, and all three of her triple doubles, she's had 25 points or more. Only one other person has won. That's a much better hot take than me saying the Golden Knights are winning the Pacific last year. Or next well, year. well, yours is probably accurate. Danny's <laughs> is not. <laughs> How is that not okay. accurate? Okay. She's one of four people in league history to have multiple uh, triple doubles. Right. Is uh, Are your top two NBA players of all time Russell Westbrook and Oscar Robertson? <laughs> uh, they're pretty close. Okay. So... The problem for Sabrina Ionescu and Being we, the can do this, we can do this conversation in basketball much easier than literally any other sport. But the problem for Sabrina Ionescu is her teams have never been good. Right. The Liberty are nine and 12 this year, which by the way, way to go aces, but the Liberty are nine and 12 this year. If you are the best basketball player, your team is usually really good. Like, you might have a bum team around you, and you might not actually, like, win a title or something. But, like, if you're truly the best, if you are LeBron James, you're dragging Zadrunas Ogowskis and Booby Gibson through the postseason. Until the Liberty actually wins something, you're not going to be able to now, call her the best player in WNBA history. I was going to say, not just the best, the best in WNBA history. <laughs> uh, she'll get there. <laughs> Daddy is a I mean, huge fan. Listen, she is phenomenal. No, there's no doubt about it. She's one of the best players in the league this year. But like, if we're talking about the best, even just this year, but like, if we're talking about the best ever, she's got a long way to go to catch like what Diana Taurasi's probably considered the best of all time is t- like to me. Bird, Brianna Stewart. Yeah, like what uh, Cynthia Cooper. Yeah, played I think in the '90s and early 2000s for the Houston for uh, whatever the Houston team was like. She's got a long way to go. Lisa Leslie, that's a good one. Oh, that's a good She's one. She's got a long that's way a to one. go to catch 
some of the greatest players that have ever played in the WNBA, let alone, I mean, I don't even think she'd be considered one of the top, maybe she's one of the top, what, three or four in the league this year. Is she in the WNBA MVP discussion right now? Oh, I'm sure she's got to be. I mean, think. Uh, I'm not so sure at 9 and 12 she would be. Uh, maybe. I mean, her numbers, I mean. Eh. Right now, MVP, Danny, her or Asia Wilson? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> right. honestly, I, my take is just on the, like, I don't follow NBA. Last night, or yesterday's betting was, uh, I don't normally do that. The NBA or WNBA? WNBA, Okay, because the NBA betting's as hard as you can get. Yeah, I, I'm terrible it's, at that it, as that's well. That's as difficult as there is. All of all of my knowledge comes from John Von Tobel. Okay, <laughs> he's he's my knowledge, but no, it's I'm just going strictly off of how she's playing this year. Her triple double numbers. I think she like the way that she plays. She's probably going to go down as the greatest player in WNBA history. All right, all right. All right. So I'm looking at a uh, story from Covers.com, which has who are the oh odds from DraftKings. These are from July 4th, so a few days old. But from July 4th, odds to win the WNBA MVP. Asia Wilson, minus 110. Minus money with like half the season left. Seems ridiculous. But Asia Wilson, minus 110. Brianna Stewart, number two, with Seattle at plus 300. Kelsey Plum at number three, at plus 600. Sabrina Ionescu, number four, but plus 1,500. Big gap between her Lay some money, and Danny. Kelsey Plum. But some money. she's on, she's hey, on the list. To one, I'll take it as I a know. one shot. That's that's yeah. good money. Yeah, that's it. It is top four odds there. And listen, there's again half the season is left. So it's true. Okay. Like it. Um, not to uh, super change the topic real quick, but since we're almost out of time, there's a funny NHL story. I'm not sure if you guys saw. Oh yes, out go of ahead. Ottawa. I, go ahead. Yes. Apparently, Ottawa wants to trade Murray to the Sabers. The Sabers are on his no trade list. No, oh, they were they were deep, they were deep in contract talks, oh. and then he said, "Hey, I'm sticking to Do my any no of trade." These GMs check these lists. <laughs> Maybe these lists are written in pencil or something like that. It's insane. Danny, you said they were deep in talks. Yes, they were deep in oh, contract talks, great. and then he said, "I'm sticking to it, and I'm not getting traded there." Oh, that's great. Yeah, you would think the whole no trade clause would lead teams to just not make trades with the teams that are on the no trade list. But in the NHL, 